Let's pray. Father, it is our fervent prayer today that the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts, would be found acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As Mark just told you, uh, 1 Thessalonians was written by Paul <clears throat> at a time when perseverance was uh, difficult to maintain. It was a time when people who were converting to the Christian faith were sure to suffer persecution and humiliation and ridicule. He wrote to them to really encourage them to be rock-solid believers. Now, today in our country, we do not experience persecution the way the Christians did. I mean, nobody has built a coliseum in America strictly for the purpose of watching Christians being chased around by lions and tigers. No one in America, at least as far as I know, is being burned at the stake for their belief uh, and probably not even imprisoned for professing faith in Jesus Christ. It just does not happen much here in America, and for that we can be very grateful. But we also need to be reminded that it does happen elsewhere. Christians do suffer for their faith in other parts of the world. According to Antonio Sacchi, he's written a book called The New Persecuted, he says that there were more Christian martyrs in the 20th century than the previous 19 centuries put together. Looking at another article by Open Doors Ministry, it says 100 million Christians face persecution, oppression, and discrimination because of their faith. That's why even though we do not suffer, we need to remember them in our prayers, and we need to learn how to speak out and to pray on their behalf. Here in America, we typically do not face the same kind of persecution. But, you know, being a Christian still does come with a price. I mean, Paul warned us about this when he wrote to Timothy. He said, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That means that if you are a Christ follower, if you are a believer in Jesus, you will find or face some level of persecution. Now, we need to realize that our struggles in our life are not limited to persecution and oppression. We have troubles in life sometimes just because life itself is troublesome. Jesus said it rains on both the just and the unjust. In other words, we all have problems. In fact, I hope I'm not letting you in on a secret, but here it is. There's no such thing as a trouble-free life. I mean, trouble in this world starts from the time that the doctor smacks you on the behind until the day you leave this world. You can count on having a life peppered with persecution and problems. I mean, there are going to be times, for example, when you will be persecuted or discriminated against because of your Christian beliefs. I experience that from time to time, even though it might be subtle. There are times when people will decide to not like you for no good reason at all. There will be times when your health gives out and you will struggle with sickness. There will be times when your money runs out and you're going to struggle and maybe even end up flat broke. There are going to be times when the relationships you have in your life, whether it's between husband and wife or between parents and children or by even fellow church members, kind of go south and you begin to struggle with those feelings of loneliness or rejection. I mean, troubles are simply a fact of life. Now, when this happens... You have a choice. You can either stay in the fight 
or you can turn tail and run. I mean, even the great football coach Vince Lombardi said that when the going gets tough, what happens? The tough get going. I mean, Jesus might say the same thing. When the going gets tough, guess what, folks? You can hang in there because you have one tough God to follow. And he wants to make you rock solid so you can hang in there as well. I mean, you either conquer your problems or your problems conquer you. It has to be one or the other. Now, I'm going to quote a famous theologian this morning, Dr. Seuss. You ever hear of Dr. Seuss? I have this hanging on my bulletin board in my office. I find it kind of interesting. He says, I have heard there are troubles of more than one kind. Some come from ahead and some come from behind. But I've bought a big bat. I'm already, you see, now my troubles are going to have troubles with me. Now, I pulled that out because I thought that was kind of funny. But you know, when you stop and think about it, what that says or what that implies is that we can handle all of our troubles by ourselves. If we have a big enough bat in our hand, we can do it. And to that, I say, nonsense. We cannot do it alone. I mean, that's why the Bible is so very clear in Romans chapter 8, 37. It says, in all of these things, all of this trouble, all of these problems that we have, we are what? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, we don't conquer anything in life apart from our relationship with Jesus Christ. In Jesus, you have the power to overcome anything that comes your way. Not merely to avoid it, not merely to escape it, but to conquer it. And not just that, I love the passage, it says not just conquer it, we are more than conquerors. We are king of the hill through Jesus. See, the only way to win is to stay in the game. Now, it's tempting to quit when life gets hard. And that's what many people do. But those who hang in there experience this big victory in Jesus. Now, today we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and it tells us the truth about trouble. And the truth about trouble is this. It's inevitable. It's always going to happen. Persecution, oppression, problems, disappointments, discouragement, setbacks, whatever you want to call them, they are on the menu for every last person who's sitting here this morning. They are on the menu for every person in this world. And the truth about trouble, though, is that it's, only, that it's temporary. You can overcome most of life's challenge simply by choosing to outlast them. But I'm going to add, you're only going to outlast them how? In the power of Jesus. What you need is what the Bible calls a steadfast spirit. Remember that created me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew within me a steadfast spirit. Who said that? David. Do you remember why David said that? It's because David tried to live life on his own terms, thought he could look in the backyard of some naked woman taking a bath and resist it. Guess what? He couldn't. Why? Took his eyes off the Creator, put his eyes on the creation, and he fell. And that's why he has to come to God and say, Create in me a clean heart, create me a new heart, and renew a steadfast spirit, one that would have kept him in the house where he belonged, or out in the battlefield where he belonged. Now, what we need is that kind of rock-solid, steadfast faith. And here in 1 Thessalonians 3, Paul shows us how. And I want to suggest three different things this morning for us to remember. 
and this is the first of these, and this is to just mentally prepare yourself. In other words, expect life to be difficult from time to time. In fact, that's exactly what Paul says here in verse 4. In verse 4, it says, In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you we were going to be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. I mean, Paul said, we warned you. We were expecting it. And guess what? It happened. I mean, that's why Peter adds in, in another verse, you know, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. I can remember a couple of times in my life where I thought I was being persecuted and I was suffering. And a good friend of mine named Mike really kind of caught me off guard by what he said. But I was kind of complaining about something one day. And he said, what makes you think that you're any better than Jesus? I was like, what? He said, look, Jesus suffered. I mean, if Jesus suffered, what makes you think you're not going to? Come on, get with it. You know, and that was a good reminder to me. I mean, sometimes people kind of go, whoa, what happened? Well, life happened to you. Oh, this has never happened before. Oh, yes, it did. Mentally prepare yourself. You and I live in a fallen world where the whys, sometimes we're never going to have the answer to this side of heaven. Now, I don't have all the answers now, but I know a couple of things. It'll be up on the screen here, I think. And here it is. A certain amount of suffering comes with your birth certificate and a certain amount of suffering comes with your baptismal certificate. You ever think about it that way? Some of your troubles come simply because you were born. I hate to say it, Grandma and Grandpa. That little one, some of the troubles he's going to experience are just because he was born to very sinful parents who happen to be the product of some sinful grandparents. I hate to tell you that, but that's what happened. And then when you sign up to be on God's team... And when somebody brings you to God's altar and you stand in front of that font and some pastor says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, guess what? When God says, this is now my child, with that, you think the devil's going to say, oh, rats, lost another one? I have a feeling with that new one that now has faith through baptism, the devil says, here's another one I need to work hard on. See, the people who kid themselves into thinking that life should be easy are often the ones who are likely to give up somewhere along the way. Now, the question is, do you plan on persevering? Do you plan on hanging in there? Well, what the Bible says is mentally prepare yourself. Now, I'm going to mentally prepare myself with two things. One is, I know there are going to be problems, but number two, I'm taking the problem solver with me. And I'm not talking about my wife. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm going to take Jesus along with me. Here's the second thing. Latch on to your Timothy. Paul says something very interesting here. He said, so when we couldn't stand it any longer, we sent Timothy, who's our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ to do what? To strengthen you and to encourage you. Now, I have a feeling that this church, we're used to having Pastor Paul around all the time. Pastor Paul was probably a, a pretty... Great speaker, wonderful guy, powerful guy, and they loved having Pastor Paul there. But Pastor Paul decided to take a mission trip to Thessalonia, and while he was gone, literally all hell broke loose back at the church that Paul had started. And I had no doubt that there were some people who were sitting back in the Thessalonian church saying, 
We're going through all of this persecution. Where is Pastor Paul? We need Pastor Paul. We can't do it without this pastor or that pastor. You know, whatever happened, we're doomed now. But guess what? Paul couldn't get there. Paul said, I tried several times to get there, but remember last chapter? The devil prevented me from coming back. So Paul does what? Paul sends Timothy to take his place. Or more accurately, God sends Timothy back to take Paul's place. And what did Timothy do? Timothy ministered to them strength and encouragement. Now understand, Timothy was not an apostle. He was not up there in that upper echelon like the apostle Paul. He was just Timothy. Uh, We also know that Timothy was kind of a young pup. He was a little green. He would be what my grandpa used to say, a little wet behind the ears. Uh, He might have been considered to be a second stringer that got sent back. But guess what? It was God's choice for the people of Thessalonica and Timothy was the one that God chose to use. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Pretty plain and simple. If Paul isn't there for you, friends, God will send Timothy. Always works that way. I'm going to make an analogy here to the congregation. You may be sick in the hospital sometime, Wayne, and pastor wasn't able to come because something prevented him from being there. But guess what? If I look in the membership directory, I also know that you got an elder. I don't know who your elder is. Do you know who it is offhand? (laughs) Well, let's see. Where do you live? (laughs) You're in there somewhere. Maybe Tommy. Tommy's your, okay, Tommy's your elder. He was trying to hide it from you. Okay, Pastor Barry can't be there, but Elder Tommy can be. That would be an analogy that I would make here to understand this. If Paul isn't there for you, if the one you've been counting on isn't there for you, God will send a Timothy. Now, I've known some people who are so focused on looking for help from Paul that they weren't willing to receive anything from Timothy. I have known people who have left the church moved to another town, got there, and were so homesick for Paul that they couldn't get used to Timothy in their new town. I've seen it when I've left churches, too, that some people were used to having Paul around and suddenly didn't know what to do when times came in spite of the fact that God had put a Timothy right there to take care of them. I just asked you this morning, friends, are there Timothys that God has sent to you that you've overlooked or that you refuse to have anything to do with? I mean, has God opened a door of possibility that you have not yet entered? Has God extended help to you that you've chosen not to take? All I'm saying is, in the midst of this, God has not forsaken you. God has not abandoned you. God will send someone to minister to you strength and encouragement. If you plan to persevere, you need to have someone help you along the way. I'm just saying, learn to open up your door to a Timothy. Here's the third thing to remember, and that's that perseverance encourages other people. Back in chapter 1, you may remember, Paul said that churches all over the world were encouraged by the example of the Thessalonians. In chapter (coughs) 1, verse 8, it says, your faith has become known everywhere. 
Now, in, in what Mark read to us today in verse 7, it says, He has told us that you, you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us. Therefore, brothers, in all of our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Now, like many of you, I have friends who have been through a divorce. I have friends who've gone through bankruptcy. I have friends who've lost all of their hair in chemotherapy. I have friends like you that have faced all manner of problems, and yet these friends still hold fast to their faith in Jesus, and they continue to serve him each and every day of their life. And every time I get a chance to talk to them, their faithfulness encourages me, and their perseverance inspires me. I remember one of our older elders at our previous church, some of you met John Olson, had a chance to minister to John and his wife, Mary Ann. What a faithful couple they were, even in their late 60s, went to Russia to plant churches of all things. I remember the night that Mary Ann died and going out to the farm and spending time with John and his boys. And just We talked all night long, and uh, we laid out the funeral plans, and John says, Pastor, would it be okay if I said something? I got to tell you, when John got up and what John had to say encouraged me and strengthened me to the point that I was almost embarrassed to get up and speak after him. But to think, here's a guy who'd lost his wife, you know, after many years, and now still could stand up and say, bless God, because Mary Ann's in a better place. I thank God for all the joy. I mean, what an encouragement that is when you have people who are suffering but can still stand up and say, but Jesus has brought me through this. I think, too, about the times in my life when I've been tempted to quit, quit anything. I, I, I sometimes have stepped back and I, I remember that maybe my perseverance might also inspire somebody else to stay faithful. I, I want anybody who might happen to be watching me to be able to say, you know, if that guy can hang in there, so can I. I don't know if you know that, but there are a lot of people who watch you. I've known this my entire life as a teacher and as a coach and as a pastor. There are always people watching me to see how I will react to different situations. But don't kid yourself, it happens to you as well, particularly if people know that you're a believer. I mean, your kids will watch you, mom and dad. Mom, mom and dad, you're watching your kids. Your co-workers will watch you. Your neighbors will watch you. They know the trouble. They see how you respond. I mean, if you have enough courage to stay in the fight, to fight that fight for Jesus, not only will you overcome it, but guess what? You will inspire a whole new generation of overcomers. Now, Paul closes out this chapter encouraging us again to love one another. We talked about that last week. You know, just to love and get along with each other. But verse 12 says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. See, he's talking about developing strength of character, to become like a rock. And the idea is that we not only be strong for ourselves, but that we be strong for the believers who gather around us and for those outside that gathering. See, a spiritual rock never lives for himself or herself. Their life is driven by a love for other people. Television preacher Robert Schuller said once, the most selfish thing you can do is quit. You know, he has a point. 
I mean, quitters generally are not thinking about other people when they give up. They're thinking only of themselves. Those who stay in the battle until the end, those who are willing to say, look, I will take the bumps, the bruises, I'll collect the scars all along the way if it'll keep hope alive for others. I can do this in Jesus. I, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. These are the people who truly know what it means to love. That's why Paul said, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. He says it because he knows that the more you love people, the more you're going to be faithful to Christ. Friends, the truth about trouble is that it's going to invade every life that's here today. Every home, every family, every business, every believer. But again, the truth is it's only temporary. It's no match for a believer in Jesus Christ. That's why I would tell you, I'm telling myself today, hang in there, stay in the fight, go the distance. Stand up and say, this problem won't be around forever, but because of Jesus, I will live on. Friends, Jesus has promised every person in this world, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That is a promise for everyone who believes. See, strength in the journey is not about strength in ourselves. Strength for the journey is found only in Jesus. That's why I want to encourage all of us today to again commit, whether it be for your very first time or whether it's just another one of those daily commitments to draw near to him, the one who can enable you to handle all things in life. See, when trouble comes our way, we only need to turn to the solver of all of our problems, and that is Jesus. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for being with us. Thank you for bringing Jesus into our life for the power of the Holy Spirit. May we draw near to you in times of trouble, knowing that you are the one that can take care of it all. You are the one that gives us strength for the journey. We give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen.